Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Hobie Root. And I'm Rob Fanuff. And as you just heard, we have a new voice on the podcast and we will very quickly get to learning more about Hobie. But before we get there, I kind of want to introduce this new segment, calling it Community Spotlight. And what we are hoping to do with the segment is introduce the, the greater Kings of War community to people here in the U.S. and abroad that you may not know, both individuals, stores, pockets of Kings of War players. So if there's people out there that we need to get the message out that these people exist and introduce them, please let me know. So let's get into it. Who is Hobie Roop? Well, I mean, in my day job, I, I'm a government employee, work for the state of Nebraska Liquor Control Commission, uh, 52 years old, live in Lincoln, Nebraska. But more importantly, for our purposes, I'm the co-owner of with five other partners of Gauntlet Games, Lincoln, Nebraska, which is a hobby and game store. It's been going on for about 16 years now. I've been a part of it for about 12. And one of the things we carry a lot and what we're really pushing right now is Kings of War and other Mantic games. Absolutely. And we're going to talk a lot about that before we get there, though. Obviously, you mentioned you're old school. You're the old grognard, right? Talk to us about how you got into tabletop wargaming. Well, I was a gamer going back. I mean, I my first game was in D&D back in the late 70s when you actually had to punch the chits out. They didn't even have the dice yet. So when we got the soft dice where you had to color in yourself, you were really excited. Yes, I'm that old. Well, I was primarily a role player through high school a little bit on the side, went away to college, and at college, uh, my D&D group introduced me to 40K. Uh, 40K had just come out. This would be the late 1980s. This was the old blue edition back when we Space Marines for Toughness 3. Um, and that's what got me into miniature war gaming. And that's really my niche from there. Um, I still play board game or some uh, role-playing games. I still like board games a lot, but, you know, of my favorites of the three would always be uh, miniature games. You mentioned some of the games that got you into it. What are you currently playing? Well, you know, unfortunately, you know, time is, you know, you have to factor in which one's the most exciting to you at the time. Right now, uh, Kings of War and Vanguard. Um, I still play War Machine. Uh, I play a little bit of Adeptus Titanicus. I, I was a fan of the old game back when it first came out, and so I was one of the ones that went on the nostalgia train. I used to play quite a bit of Flames of War. I've really backed away from that. Um, I'm just not really a fan of the of the fourth edition rule set. I thought they took a step backwards, and I sort of just lost my enthusiasm. But a big part of that is also because I'm so enthusiastic about King's Curve. When did you get into Kings of War? I'm a Warhammer orphan. Um, as I said, my first miniature game was 40K. I soon went into Fancy Battle as well. Um, and I played Fancy Battle. My first edition of Warhammer Fancy Battle was with their third edition, the big old fat orange book. Um, and I played all the way through the last edition until um, its demise. And much like a lot of other people who had really well-painted, full-out armies, I was looking for something else. And luckily for me, I mean, fortuitously, uh, we had a couple of people who were really into Kings of War. We have a, uh, a couple of Pathfinders uh, in Lincoln, and one of them really reached out to me. And once I played Kings of War for the first time, I was hooked. What is it about the rule set that hooked you? I really like to say it this way. Kings of War is a simple rule set, but is not a simplistic game. 
uh, you know, the, the basic maneuvering and the actions and the way it's set up is very clean. It's very concise. It can be used to represent a whole swath of fantasy races and abilities, but it's not a simple game because you, every time I still play, I still learn something new. Um, you know, did I did something wrong here? I expose a flank this way. And so it, it continues to grow. And so I think that's its, at its nucleus. The best thing about that game system is it's an easy to get into rule set. It's not going to beat you over the head with complex rules, but it's also going to continue to challenge you as you continue to play. Well, as a Warhammer refugee, you obviously have lots and lots of old school Warhammer armies. Let's talk about some of them. Which ones have you played and which ones have transitioned into the forefront for Kings of War? Well, I, I played quite a few. At the end of it, my main two armies, or my main army under that, was my Orcs and Goblins, which luckily enough for me ended up being two armies in Kings of War. Um, you've had the uh, the joy of crushing one of those beneath your, your ogre heel. No, that was just poor dice rolling on your part, which I, I was led to believe you were terrible at dice rolling, but I always, I always kind of scoff at that. But then I actually saw it in person. I was like, yeah, okay, I'm a believer now. The words Rob used in our game were, you know, some people use the excuse of poor dice to hide bad tactics. But your dice truly do suck, Hobie. <laughs> so, um, so I like the orcs, and those are the ones I've transitioned mostly um, over. Um, I'm looking to do some more games. I'm really looking forward um, at this point. My next, uh, well, my next thing to do in the hobby is to do an all mantic fig. Um, game. I think you should support the company which does the rules. Um, and more importantly, I think Mantix Figs have really stepped it up over the last couple of years. Um, you know, the quality of um, their fig design has really gone up, which I think has, has drawn a lot of people into it um, from the aesthetic side. But um, so my two main armies, I still have those two um, orcs and goblins. Um, and they're fun armies, but I'm leaning towards a couple different armies. I'm still trying to debate which Mantic army to do. Um, I'd like to do elves. I, I mean, but I'd hate to be that guy and do an elf army, although I think you are right now, aren't you? Somebody told me once time, if you're going to dip your toe in it, you might as well go all the way in. Well, my hope is, honestly, for third edition, I hope that there's enough of the ice kin sculpts for the um, Northern Alliance army, because I would really have liked to have done an ice kin themed army for elves. So, I, you know, do the... Um, replace the, the wheels on the chariots with, with, with sleds and that kind of stuff. Hopefully there's going to be enough options there. Uh, I like to convert. Um, hopefully there'll be enough there, you know, different sculpts that I can work on that. So that's sort of what I'm waiting for from a Mantic Army. I, I did just recently Kickstarter um, the Terracotta Warriors from Joe Crone. Um, I think you saw Tyler ran those. Yeah, those are great sculpts. Those are great. I, I've always wanted to do an undead army that didn't have undead. Yeah, you know, and so that's where I'm going to go with that. So I'm going to use them as Empire of Dust. So those are my two armies. And, okay, please forgive me. I was starting to work on a Mongolian army, not because of the rules, but because I really like the theme. Um, and so I'm sort of, you know, I'm sort of a holding pattern to see what's going to happen. A, either with, um, uh, if historicals does get a relook at, or if um, the Kings of Men sort of expand enough to cover that. So they're sort of on the back burner. So I, I'm leaning towards the Mantic Army. Although, once again, like every other gamer, when I see a cool fig today, I saw the uh, renderings for the new um, Abyssal Dwarves, and I'm going, hmm. So terrific. But we're going to have to wait until 2020 for those. So 
You know, you have plenty of time between now and then to do two or three armies. Well, you know, at the speed I paint, you know, the good thing about being old is, you know, I'm not fast. <laughs> What's your favorite part of the hobby? You know, I think my, right now I'm really liking the community. Uh, most of the people I've met, um, you know, yourselves and some of the other people, some of the a couple of big tournaments I've, I've, I've attended, even though I haven't played at all of them. Um, I really like the, the, the hobby. At one point in my life, I was pretty competitive in 40 K. I mean, we used to be very competitive in the team games up at Adepticon for 40 K one the we actually won the best chaos team my first year there, which is the second year. But I was really getting pushed off by the competitive nature of that. And, and so I, I guess I would put myself more as a, a hobby gamer. But the competitive, I don't see that difference in, in Kings of War. The, 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 the competitive player guys are also hobby guys. I mean, it's, there's not this big either or like there is in some of the game systems. And that's one thing I really love about it. You can be a hobby guy, take fluffy armies. But you are there to compete for best painted or best army, or you can be someone that's more uh, focusing on best general and build really tough lists and, and and have a strong army and compete to win games. So th- the nice thing about Kings of War, complete gambit of everything, whether it's you know like you mentioned the the community and the socialization, it's the hobby, it's the the, the gaming on the table, it's all that together makes for a really great community. Yeah, it really really does. Um, you know, my of course my goal is to win the Counter Charge Award. So I figure right in the middle of it. It's about as best as I can hope. It's so hard, though, right? Because uh, if you want to win it, you can just play better, right? And you can win the event. If you want to get the wooden spoon, you can sandbag and you can, you know. But to make yourself land in the middle, a very tall task. It is hard. But I figured that, you know, if I get there first, then I'll go for winning one of these things eventually. We touched a little bit on third edition. What's got you most excited? Um, The buzz. Um, You know, the couple things, and I, I guess I'm going to turn my hat on as a, as a store owner now and not so much as a gamer. You know, as a game store owner, it's got a lot of buzz. Um, you know, we've got a good, solid group here in Lincoln. Nothing like the guys up in Omaha, the Outlanders, although there is some cross-pollinization. You know, the people who've been playing it, you know, there, there's not the fear of a new edition. There's looking forward to it. I've always, for the most part, I call third edition Goldilocks editions. Most decent game systems usually get it right on their third edition. The first edition brings out sort of, hey, here's what we're thinking. Here's the stuff we're going to throw on the wall, see what sticks. Second edition is usually, okay, we went too far. Let's clean it up. Let's do this. And then usually by third edition, you get it just about right. Now, a lot of that has to do whether you trust the game company. In this case, I do. I trust Manic not to screw this up because they're not only doing it amongst themselves but they got the rules committee who i've had great respect for in the class in the uh in the cockbooks over the last couple of years about addressing those concerns and this is giving those guys sort of a blank slate i.e by looking at point values to reassess and, and how things are going to work i'm really excited um as a game store owner i'm really glad that Mantic chose not to do this as a kickstarter as, as a game store owner, you know, at the end of the day, I need to be able to realize some sales if I'm going to put this investment into carrying this line. And this way here, I'm going to get all my exciting people are going to be buying from me, me instead of going to the um, to the Kickstarter. Because, you know, when you do a Kickstarter, you lose those real – your real cheerleaders already have all, all the stuff they need. All the rumors coming out for Kings of War 3rd Edition, though, it just got me salivating. They showed a picture of the Banechant card, and there's no mention of it working for, for shooting anymore. There's a lot of little things like that. I think it will have a huge positive effect. Believe it or not, I think that's one of the ways they're going to try to address the non the, the low use of war machines. 
people haven't had to go with war machines because of Bain 10 on range. They're able to get that armor penetration to do it. Now, the way, if you're going to want to bust through toughness five or, 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 you know, or, or six uh, unit at range, you're going to have to probably go for war machines. Right. Which I think is pro- probably one of the things they're factoring in. Yeah, and they've got a new rule called shattering, which they which they leaked out, which will be another bonus for war machines. So, yeah, it's it's exciting times. Let's transition and talk a little bit about community building because you mentioned part owner of, of Gauntlet Games there in Lincoln, Nebraska. What made you jump into? Hey, I want to own, own own a game store. Well, here's the thing: everybody always wants to own a game store until they own a game store. Sometimes, but luckily, Gauntlet was sort of the newest iteration of a different game store that I started playing at when I came to Nebraska to go to law school back in the late 1980s. It's gone through some different ownership changes, some different names. It was Gauntlet Games about 15 years ago. A friend of mine had it, and he was having some financial issues. And a coalition of us just didn't want to lose our game store. And so those of us who had the means decided to invest. I think the big thing about it is, you know, none of us, um, you know, are paying our mortgage or our cars out of the money we're making out of this. I mean, my wife loves it because it, because it self-funds my hobby and my art. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, it's the community. I mean, and, and that's where, that's what the best part. You, you want to keep that community alive. And so we did it. And it's been pretty successful. Um, you know, we're a game store. Um, about half of our store is retail. The other half is games. We've got eight six by four um, miniature tables. We've got five roll, um, board game tables. We got two board game room or two role playing rooms. Uh, we carry board games, we carry uh, miniature games, and we carry. Um, um, let's see, what is this? I just missed out. Board games, oh, role playing games are our pre- primarily big things. You know, we don't do any electronic games, but it's it, it works out pretty well and it's fun. I mean, it, it, it keeps me interested. You touch a little bit on Kickstarter. Put your hat on from the perspective of you know your friendly local game store. Kind of give us your thoughts on Mantic Games. You know, what are they doing well, and what are some areas they can improve on? I really think they're doing well. Um, hiring Kyle P was probably one of the best things they've done recently. He's really reaching out to game stores to make sure that they're there. He's accessible. Um, he explains even to idiots like me sometimes. You know what's available, what's coming out available. Um, I think it's a, they're, they're doing, they're on the right track of doing it. And it's not saying anything bad against their, their earlier people, but you know, sometimes the game store, when we'd have to order from England, you know, you can't really, it, it, the communication lag because of the time delay, you know, you know, we did a sense of over early in the morning here to catch, you know, you know, Clyde before he left at night. So I think having something in the U S again, um, taking the lead was fantastic for him. Um, I think they've also done pretty well uh, with their Pathfinders. You know, I am very lucky, and I've got two Pathfinders in Lincoln, Nebraska, one of whom, whom a lot of people know, John Jack. Amazing Pathfinder. If, you, if you've ever gone to one of the big tournaments, the big, the big tall, bald guy who they make dress up like the governor and everything else at different times, that's John Jack. He's down there doing demo games all the time um, at those conventions. Uh, he's, he does a lot of stuff at Gauntlet. Uh, he just got done running. A summer Vanguard League where we had I think eight to twelve players during the whole thing doing doing it. So it came out pretty well. And the other thing I thought, which I touched on earlier, what Mantic is doing as a company was this is a big release form, and they're they're roll, they're rolling it out not through a Kickstarter. They're self funding it. They've been very in communication, you know, comparing to other game companies who shall remain nameless. 
where we don't know what's coming on, but for maybe a week or for a lucky two weeks in advance, we know this is coming on October. We know our pre-release, our pre-orders have got to be in at least soft numbers by tomorrow and pretty firm numbers by next week, but we know it's coming, you know, and so we're able to plan for that. You know, as a small game store, we're lucky that we've been established enough and we can sort of make big purchases if necessary, but it's always easier if you can sort of plan those purchases out and they've done a fantastic job on the communication on this. Going back to what you said about Kyle, he's a great asset because having somebody that's one of us in that role makes the communication that much easier. I mean, he is a tournament player. He is a Kings of War player and we already had a relationship with him. So it just makes things a lot easier. And the thing about Kickstarter, hundred percent with you, this, this was the time where, but if they went to Kickstarter again, I think we would be losing some ground. I think this is the time to say, okay, you've been with us all along. It's time for kind of the retail stores to take over. Well, I think it is. And I look at that as a different game that, you know, I didn't have a problem when they kickstarted Vanguard because at the end of the day, your Vanguard sales are going to be smaller than your KOW sales, just because the the, the numbers of models you're going to need. But I think it has very much got us ready for this new edition because that's where they were able to showcase their new um, their new models and their sculpts. And one of the simplest things they've done, and, and this is not to bag on whoever did some of their painting for some of their older models, some of their older models that Mantic had didn't look that good because the paint jobs weren't that good, you know, and, and so much of a game is visual. You've got to see something and say, that looks freaking cool. And they've, they've been hitting out of the park with their Vanguard models. They've been hitting them out of the park. I think with everything they've released so far, I mean, you, we all saw what the internet looked like when we saw those do uh, Northern Alliance clansmen. Oh my God. Yeah, they're amazing. To go back and talk about Pathfinder program a little bit, because you, you're, you're a little bit blessed. You've got some really great, as you mentioned, Pathfinders in your area, including John Jack. But, you know, how has Path, the Pathfinder program specifically helped you guys build your local community? All right. Very simply, I'm, I'm going to give you guys a, a, a peek behind the curtain on a game store. Seeing people playing games with painted models sells games. I know it's shocking. It's out of the ordinary. But if you've got a guy like John Jack, who's got two or three or four really well-painted all-magic armies, and somebody comes in and wants to give the game a try, because the one downside for people getting into Kings of War is it can be a little intimidating visually when you first see it, because you're seeing these big blocks. You're seeing these big monsters. You know, it's not as easy to digest mentally for them as one or two guys, like some other skirmish games. And so having somebody there willing to play and show you how it's done is fantastic. You know, and just so I don't get afraid, we have another uh, Pathfinder who does really well in, in our store. His name is Bill Johnson. He's the one who's really getting um, uh, Dead Zone to get played again in our, in our store. Um, so I want to make sure I give a shout out to him as well. I didn't want to say this just because of John Jack Pathfinder. We got two of them who do a lot of good stuff for us at Gauntlet. Um, but, you know, I've always said that to get a game to be self-generating, you need four players. Once you get four solid players who are playing at your game store on a regular basis, it's going to grow. People are going to see the game being played. They're going to be intrigued. They're going to go. Right now, for instance, just because I'm trying to cross-pollinate a little bit, I've been playing Kings of War on Friday nights, which is normally our War Machine night. And because I'm trying to pull a couple of War Machine players to expand, not to give up their game that they love, but to try mm-hmm. something new. 
And I think that's one thing you've got to be really cautious about as a game store owner is some people, because of the price, it's not that cheap to get into miniature games. Some people will try to be mono gamers. They'll just go down one path and they'll, and then sometimes they'll get burned out and you'll lose them completely. So I think you've got to give a different people the opportunity to see or play different games to sort of break up the monotony. Something you touched on is really interesting about path. You have multiple pathfinders as Mantic grows the number of games that they offer grows as well. And I know for me, as a, as a Pathfinder to a new store, you know, my focus is Kings of War and a little bit of Vanguard and a little bit of Dead Zone. But, like, there's other games that we probably need to find somebody else to come in and do, you know, The Walking Dead or Hellboy. And so by having multiple people that each have individual passions for their specific games, it's the best sales force you can have. Yeah, I, I've been really, I've been following you opening, you being involved with new games. And I, I really want to say, make sure you have cheerleaders. Make sure you've got decent people in who, who want to champion different games. Because if the store owner tries to do it all the time, it can burn them out. It, you know, it, it's hard for them to keep up on everything as well as doing everything else. So cheerleaders, like you say, whether they're pathfinders, which are great, or if they're just somebody who's passionate. If they want to become a pathfinder, but if they really love Dead Zone and they want to set up a Dead Zone league on Saturday afternoons, encourage them to do it. The, the key thing what you've got to do is um, try to keep basic games in because if they see you've got the basic games, you know, the starter sets, the starter boxes, and that kind of stuff, even if they're looking for something more esoteric, you always reach out to them and say, hey, I can get that into you in, you know, by next week. You know, I order once a week from, my, from these guys. I can have that into you next week. Um, and so we have a, do a lot of special orders because it's really hard sometimes to, to keep up with all the great games that are out there, um, especially, you know, and I'll sort of segue over this a little bit onto the, the board game side, which we do a lot of. Kickstarter is a blessing and a curse for a game store. There are so many good games which are coming to market through Kickstarters that it's amazing. We're the golden age of board game design. The problem we've got is figuring out which ones you're going to carry because I don't have unlimited shelf space. I don't have unlimited resources to carry all of them. I don't have the ability to Kickstarter as a retail store, every one of them. And so you've really got to keep your eyes open on the social media. Social media is a fantastic reason, uh, a way to see what games are out there. I mean, I can honestly say as a grumpy old man, probably the main reason I'm still on Facebook is because of the gaming communities. And so you should utilize those. Talk about your local community. Where do people that are in the Lincoln area, where do you guys congregate online? Do you guys have a Facebook group or a website? We've got a Facebook group. Right now it's primarily using Vanguard because we just set it up over the summer for that league. Uh, I think we're going to morph it more into Kings of War, Vanguard, other things. Um, you know, we do it at the store. Um, over the up until a month or two ago, we were doing every second Saturday night. I was doing uh, demo games or brain battles for Kings of War for people to come in and play um, and do that. You know, the key thing as a store, you've got to start identify your market. Um, originally, second edition was pretty easy because you were looking primarily at uh, Warhammer orphans. You had a lot of people who were already invested in their games. You had to do it. Now, at third, I think is a time to bring in new gamers. Um, you know, not saying that somebody who still wants to come back in, who used to play back in the day, you know, would be, would be welcome with open arms. But a lot of those people are already playing the game. Mm -hmm. You've got to identify people who want to come in. Now, luckily for Lincoln is 
Lincoln's a college town. There's seven universities in, in Lincoln, including the University of Nebraska. So we get a new feed of gamers every year. And we're not too far from downtown. Uh, we try to uh, um, advertise on the university's um, areas because a lot of those guys will be coming away for the first time they're, they're leaving town. They're, they're games or they're looking to get games, and you've got to have a place for those guys to go. As I said, half our store is set for games. We've got a huge free gaming library. You want to come in and try a game? Go back, pull it down, and play it. We got a huge bunch of terrain, which is getting the heck beat out of it. But I guess so I got to redo that a little bit. So just come in and play. Uh, we have the other day I went in. We had we had four different miniature games being and four different miniature games, not just games, but different rule sets being played the same day. We had Kings of War. We had a 40k game. We had some guys playing bolt action, and we had some guys sort of doing the um, a hybrid, the hybrid uh, board game, miniature game, zombie side of the huge game. That was just on one Saturday afternoon. I'm of the opinion that we're kind of in the golden age. Uh, it's a blessing and a curse. There's just so much choice out there, which is great for the consumer. Sometimes it's hard, as you mentioned with board games, it's hard to find something sometimes because there's just so much stuff out there. You know, you've got to keep up. Um, I, I used to really like, you know, he's not doing it anymore when. Um, uh, Will Wheaton did the uh, tabletop games. Um, he'd do different board games. Um, we would sell out of that board game that following week. And then we'd try to get it, and all the wholesalers are out of it too. <laughs> I wish he'd let us know what he was going to do. But that's an example. Um, the internet is such a good tool for gaming. Uh, we, we talked about Kyle earlier. To this day, if somebody comes in and is interested in um, Kings of War, not only watching us play a game live, I say go online. There are some great um, online um, examples of people playing. And I, I send them over to Kyle. I mean, mm-hmm. Mastercrafted. Uh, you know, Kyle, you know, Mastercrafted. Um, did they explain what they're doing? They're having fun. Uh, you know, you've got, you know, Jesse getting, you know, minor internet ce- celebrity status, he claims, for being Pizza Jesus, for goodness sake. He is a teacher in there, so I, he's probably the smartest guy in West Virginia, so we'll give him that. But, you know, so I think that's a good use for it, too, because, you know, the good thing about Kings of War, especially, you know, now with, what, third edition, we're going to have, what, 26 armies, are going to say now? A good way to see how different armies players can be on those uh, webcasts. It's going to be fantastic. Do you get an idea? Well, I appreciate you taking the time, Hobie. It's been a, it's been real fun to just chat about Gauntlet Games, and uh, we we got to get out there sometime. You got any shout outs? Anything you want to mention to the uh, Counter Charge audience? Well, I, I I'm looking forward uh, next year. I you know I mean I hope I'm going to be seen at a couple more tournaments, so you guys can you know put a name in the face. My my goal is I will be playing at Adepticon. I'll be playing, of course, at Bug Eater. I'm going to try to get up to play at Lady of the Lake. So I'm going to try to get my toe a little bit more into the competitive play. But um, right now, all I can say is everybody's so excited for third edition. I mean, it's one of those, you know, I can't tell you what I'm more excited for, football season or third edition. It's about tie right now. I mean, I'm assuming you're a big Nebraska fan. I'm a Michigan State fan myself, so I'm ready for Big Ten football. I, I am ready. Well, Rob, I'll put this out there. Sometime when 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 the Spartans come back to, to Lincoln, if you want to come get a game, contact me. I get tickets, you got a place to stay. Well, Hobie, thanks for coming on and chatting with us about Gauntlet Games and what's going on in Lincoln, Nebraska, and a lot of good advice for those friendly local gaming stores looking to, you know, sell Kings of War. That's another plan. I really appreciate you having me on, and uh, until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Countercharge. 
Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. Thank you.